0: Marcus, of all the opportunities and, and things you've done since you've come out to LA, mm-hmm. is there one particular avenue or or job or or skill that you've learned that you feel has kind of opened up the most doors or or opportunities for you in the direction you want to go?
1: Okay, since I've come out to LA specifically, you know, I kind of want to go back. Um, I would say like the first and most important was the saxophone, mm. you know, just mm. uh, being musically inclined. Like that's the original the OG, if you will. But since I moved out here, I got to say DJing probably okay. is uh, has been the most, it's opened the most doors because um, there's a level of, of understanding of like sound equipment that you have to learn. You have to be quick on your feet. You have to be sort of like an MC, you have to be an announcer. So that's kind of like um, helped conquer like some of like my stage fright, I guess. Mm. And I think learning the, the the sound production aspect of it has has led to this opportunity to produce in the podcast as well. So definitely like DJing is the one for me. Do you have something in mind?
0: I mean, I got to take it back to, I, I mean, skating for me also has opened up so many doors and made so many connections you know that have brought me other opportunities but also just as a as a performer um being a part of like a new show where it's being created from scratch and you know like you said kind of seeing all the the moving parts and the things that go into the production process yeah you know really really sparked my love for that whole process and and all the moving pieces and um you know the most recent project i've been finishing up in detroit putting together this uh proof of concept for this television show you know i've kind of been forced to to wear all those hats you know myself you know as a cinematographer as an editor you know doing audio writing and um that's been great for my skill set and it's definitely something that i'm i'm taking with me now as we try to grow this project as well and uh, look to move on to other things
1: what about something that um you know that hasn't gone kind of your way. Have you uh have you picked up a, a skill or given something a try that you just oh man that's like the complete opposite direction. Like I can't go there right now. I have no time for this.
0: I mean, I, I definitely have been to a fairly embarrassing audition. Um, okay. For for a part in a in a in a movie. Um, oh
1: please please tell <laughs> me about it. <laughs> uh, it,
0: this was when I was back in Michigan. It was a, a movie that was filming out there on location. It was an open audition call, and I didn't even find out until after that I was like reading for the role of the grandfather. (laughs) Huh. And I think I I, I was like, what, 22? I don't know, 24 (laughs) at the time. So, like, obviously, completely wrong for the part. And it was this, you know, Jewish grandfather, and the dialogue was like, oh, and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, obviously, I'm not. It was just like a green screen thing. So, that was definitely a little uh, acting experience that I can I can look back and, and laugh at now hmm. uh, I wouldn't say it just deterred me from you know going to another audition or pursuing anything in that in that line again but uh, what about you do you have anything
1: yeah I I know that when I came out here I wanted to pursue acting and I went to a, like a lot of like casting calls and they happen to be just like random like auditions and that is something I do not enjoy just for like commercials or like like the cold like, calls for yeah those things. yeah whatever it is and it'll just be random and like one in particular that stands out to me that is super embarrassing is um i auditioned to be in a commercial for the revamping of the exercise phenomenon the shake weight
0: oh i was gonna say was it the Bowflex? it wasn't the Bowflex,
1: <laughs> dude bow would have been fire no it was it was the shake weight and my and my buddy he's he's headed to it and he's like um Yo, do you want to just like roll with me on this one? Like, you know, he was like, uh, "It's an open audition. You don't need representation. Like, you, you want to just give it a try?" And I'm I'm just like, "Okay, sure. Like, I'll tag along." And um, yeah, it was it was weird, man. I, I did get a free shake weight out of it. Did you? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know where that thing is now, but um, they they kind of wanted us to like have like a comedic approach to it. What and, was um, the line? I We had to make one up. Oh, hey, like, oh! Just say something. All funny. All right, well, do it. Let's do it right now. S- oh. sell, sell, sell me, a, sell me a shake weight. <laughs> let's hear it. I can't even, dude. Um, like literally on the audition, I think I was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I can't like just come up with something on the spot. I was like, do you guys have a line or something that you want me to? They're like, no, no, just do something funny and just kind of like use it. And I was like, uh... <laughs> 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 yeah. So that was uh that something in general is something I just got casting calls like. I think it was just like not really like for me um
0: yeah they can they can definitely dampen your spirits if they if you let it
1: so yeah that's that's not a direction that i know i'm yeah i'm definitely not going to take that one
0: well getting to our next guest phoenix has taken all of the experiences she's had to really sharpen her skills in the industry
2: self-belief is the biggest belief you need to have And regardless of what is happening around you or whoever doesn't believe or whoever doesn't get it, as long as you constantly show up for yourself, something will manifest from that.
0: All right. Our next guest, Phoenix, is with us today with Indie LA. She is a singer, songwriter, actress. She is an entertainer. She's done so many different
1: things. We're excited to have her here with us. Welcome.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah.
1: So that word entertainer, like um, we kind of want to just get into like everything that you're you're into. So wherever you want to start and we want to um, hear about how you got started with it and how's it going now?
2: Well, trying to make a long story short, I uh, from high school began to songwrite professionally. Um, That was just to give you context, if you are aware of the the making the band era of uh like diddy and daddy's yeah. house mm. um i went to high school up the block from diddy daddy's house and i had the pleasure of at 17 and 18 years old being able to go into his studio and make music and write music to submit to those projects specifically um and then i began to branch out obviously with other labels and other opportunities as i built the name for myself so straight out of high school i was writing songs professionally okay um That's Incredible. Then, Thank you. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. I mean, when you, I look back at like the blessing of what it was, is to be able to do that at like 18 and 19 years old is incredible. Um, and then fast forward um, from songwriting and singing, um, I was like incredibly, I uh, had a lot of stage fright. So I got introduced to singing background vocals. Um, and so a lot of popular independent artists in New York City, um, I got to sing background for. I got a lot of opportunities. I got to be you know, just in proximity to a lot of great R&B artists and soul artists um, and sing for them occasionally, sometimes a long stretch of time. Um, And then the industry had a segue. um, And this is when people uh, started to realize about publishing and songwriting and how lucrative that business was. Mm -hmm. So a lot of artists didn't want you to write anymore for them and they weren't willing to pay you. So Mm -hmm. I took a segue and I started to do something called vocal production, which is basically me getting in a studio with an artist and teaching them how to vocally perform their song so that it could sell. Or they could possibly pursue a career as an artist. Because um, singing live and singing recording are not the same skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. And so that, that became really lucrative for me. Just helping other artists. Which is basically what I was doing as a songwriter anyway. So I love to do it. And then around 2014, 2015. Um, I kind of got tired of it. Um, the songwriting game, there's a lot of games that happen and there's a lot of things that were being like played around and messed around as far as like how A&Rs were managing songwriters and were the songs actually getting to the artists and mm. producers had interest in certain writers over other writers. So there was just a lot of politics in that. Mm-hmm. And I got tired of it. Um, and so if you can't beat them, join them. And um, that was the birth of my career as an independent artist that you see in front of you, uh, Phoenix. Okay.
1: All right. So you were songwriting like for other artists and you were sort of like coaching them to like perform their songs i guess like you, you talked a little bit about like the transition but um what are some of the things that ultimately like inspired you to release music under your own name
2: i at the time things have evolved so much in the last 20 to 25 years just in music alone so like All of the things I'm going to speak to now are probably like non-existent and like generations after me wouldn't couldn't even imagine that that would be the aspect. But like Mm. I came from the Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera era where if you were not white and blonde, you were not even taken seriously, Mm. Um, specifically as a mainstream headlining artist. Um, You know, like I said, I did a lot of background. People were okay with me singing behind other people and writing behind other people and doing things behind other people. Mm-hmm. But as far as them taking me seriously as an artist, it was like, you know, it's like I was in a fantasy world. So um, instead of me using that against myself, I took that disbelief and I made it a driving force to become an artist because I wanted to, it wasn't even so much about me at the, at that point. It still really isn't. It was more about me proving to other people that self-belief is the biggest belief you need to have. And regardless of what is happening around you or whoever doesn't believe or whoever doesn't get it, as long as you constantly show up for yourself, something will manifest from that. So um that was my driving force in being an artist. I just didn't have a lot of references of women who look like me. Um, and not necessarily black women. There's plenty of black artists and R and B artists for sure. But what I mean is like uh the black experience is not monolithic. Um I like I love alternative music. I grew up uh, Roman Catholic, so I'm very familiar with classical music. I have Mm -hmm. been trained to sing in different languages. I grew up singing the Kirie Elehison. So like my ideal path as a black woman, I didn't see those examples for the alternative to um, orthodox uh, gospel or R&B. Like there are many other facets of me musically that we don't get to see displayed by artists of color. Um, and so <clears throat> that was also a part of it, too, which is why my biggest record to this day is called Outside the Box. Um, and I don't find that ironic that the one song that would be my biggest record is a song about me embracing the fact that I'm nothing that you've ever seen before. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I you, like that. you didn't you didn't have anyone that you could see yourself in as kind of a reference point. You know for what you wanted to do
2: yeah or just for being interested in other things like mm-hmm. um i love brandy and monica but i also love avril lavigne and lincoln park mm-hmm. um i also listen like last night i did a binge karaoke in my house and i did all country songs so oh, like there are just there's so many other parts of me and other things that i want to do or just the fact that like there are jazz nuances to my voice um so you know there are times where my approach to something can be jazzier than regular or maybe there's a pop undertone, even though it's an R&B record, you know, because um, even a record outside the box, orthodoxly, it's an R&B record, but the topic is alternative because it's not about a relationship. It's not about love. It's not about heartbreak. It's about embracing your individuality. Mm. And so just just being a paradox. I'm an anomaly. I'm never you're never going to figure me out.
1: Yeah.
0: You started uh, writing professionally at a, quite a young age. Yeah. You know, right out of the gate. Did that uh, first experience in that recording studio, at you said at Diddy's house? Just yeah, down da- the street, Daddy's it, house. At Daddy's so
2: there were house, yeah. two things happening at one time. So, um, I I chose my own high school to go to. I did like my research. It was what you consider an alternative high school, which tells you that I probably was a bit mischievous in my younger years. Um, but it was also an alternative high school where everyone who had gotten in trouble in the major performing arts schools in New York City were all in one place. Okay. So I had LaGuardia students, I had PPAS, like Alicia Keys, all of these all of these artists, Nicki Minaj, they all went to these schools. So like their peers and their classmates, the ones that got in trouble, they all ended up in my school. So I was in a jambalaya bowl of like the most talented students musically and, and and creatively period, because we had acting and we had staging and all of that too. In one school, mm-hmm. which was also in the middle of Times Square, which is the center of musical theater, in the center of so it yeah. was so many moving parts. And then you have three blocks away is Daddy's house. So I was going to an artist development um program as well. Mm-hmm. Um that Bruce Willis and Queen Latifah ended up coming behind later on segue some of my other friends i was one of my friends at uh, little eddie he's like a huge songwriter, even now um shout out to him he took me up the block because he was signed to mario Winans, who was underneath um sean combs and so there was like that trickling effect so i like to me it was just like sensory overload i was just happy to be there um and so that hunger was like my driving force to just like I'm here, like, I know I know this is a one in a million kind of opportunity, so I'm gonna... Make the most of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah.
1: That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And uh, you're originally from Brooklyn. Yes, I am. And you've lived in Los Angeles for a few years.
2: Yes, year three now.
1: Yeah, we kind of want to talk about um, the difference of uh, opportunities out there and, like, out here, and how have you been able to, like, pave your way in, the like, the transition?
2: Well, to be very honest, honest with you and transparent the transition has been difficult um i don't even want to say that i don't think the opportunities are out here i just think la is such is such a distant place as far as things being so spread apart yeah that the opportunity to create community is more difficult um which in, in theory, you would think with COVID, like we'd be over that, but I think it can be a deterrent, um, from wanting to pursue it. I just have, you know, and I say this humbly, I just have an enormous amount of resilience, but I can see why a lot of people don't make it. I can see why a lot of people go back to where they're from. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because I came from another major city, which is adjacent, um, it built a certain type of endurance in me where like, I have my days and I have my moments where I'm like, what am I doing here? Um, But not enough for me to still not find podcasts and still not connect with people and still not network and, and know that my talent is good enough that it will get me in the rooms that I belong in, Mm -hmm. whether it gets me in the rooms. I feel like I need to be in, um, at this point in my career, I'm more focused in being in the rooms that want me in them versus trying to force myself in rooms where I'm not welcome. Yeah.
0: I mean, you, in, in New York, you feel like the talent is almost more centralized. It's just accessible. Like accessible.
2: I can like today I'm doing you guys podcasts in the real like in my real day and day life in New York. I probably would have an event tonight where i would be hosting or singing i probably would be stopping after to somebody's session right after this before i go to the event like those are not realistic things you can do out here As just far because as you're like, jumping around so far yeah you can move and the more you can mm-hmm. move the more you can network and the more you can network the more you inevitably opportunity if you're moving smart wise um because sometimes we could just be doing a lot and not really doing anything mm-hmm. um but if like for me I got the umbrella entertainer because of my hustle. I was an artist in one place. I was a host in another place. I was an event curator in another place. I was on a panel discussion in another place. And I was on a web series in another place. And none of those people conflated with the other one. Sometimes the person who I was in a web series had nothing to do with who I was as an artist. Those people probably didn't even know I did music until they followed me on Instagram. Um, And so I got to wear different hats and choose who I wanted to introduce into the room based off of if it made sense in that room, because sometimes like even being an artist with the industry, so oversaturated, like sometimes people are turned off when you are an artist Mm -hmm. and they're more accepting and inviting to a host. Um, You know, I've had gigs where I got paid more as a host than I did as the talent. Um, And so just knowing how to, you know, here I'm not saying these things can't be achieved here. I just think it's a little more strategic and methodical how you have to be Um, And I also think uh, L.A. can be presumptuous about people assuming what you can do for them. And I can see myself in a lot of situations, people blocking their blessings with me because they don't think I'm as useful or they didn't hear my resume. So they don't know where I've come from. So they think that I'm not somebody that's worth their time Mm. when inevitably they, they could be like, I'm a strong person to have on your team because yeah. I can wear so many different hats and my ego doesn't get in the way of any of them. And so I can play the background if I need to be in the background and I can also be seen if I need to be seen. And most people conflate the two, which is why partnerships and businesses, a lot of them fail just because people start to feel away if you ask them to throw out the trash when they're used to being on stage. It's like, oh, I me mean, throw out the trash? It's like, I don't... Yeah. This I love this too much to have an ego with it. Yeah, the ego. Whatever part of the machine I need to play, I'm okay with that.
1: Okay all right phoenix you talked about um wearing these different hats um and like developing these different skills like when did you see yourself like getting into like all of these different things and like how did you add like so many to your repertoire
2: well um so i think it's it's like a constant evolution as far as how you see yourself and so what i mean by that is like there was a time when i was a very like grassroots artist like you know, I don't listen to pop. I don't listen to this. I don't, you know, I'm not that, you know, very, very grassroots, very vegan about. Okay. <laughs> about who I was as an artist. Um, And then I used to be, I was almost 300 pounds uh, prior to 2014. And when I decided to be an artist, I had to play a different hat as far as I had to A&R myself, right? And so A&Ring yourself Is really an uncomfortable process because you have to look at yourself and point out all of the things that, you know, negatively that people might say about you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so at that time, like I said, before we even involved society, we're not that involved, but we've gotten further, um, weight and me being overweight. Like I knew that no one would take me seriously, at least in that place where I was at in 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like me, losing weight and transforming and and working on my image and working on how I speak and just you know even my music like you know my friends used to say you make really smart music you know and I would make music for other musicians I had to even learn how to like how do I how am I still myself but how do I make my music palatable for people I want to reach who may not connect with certain words or certain verbiage that I use in songs so like really being able to deconstruct myself and be like this is good but this needs to be better. This is not that great. You need to work on that. Mm-hmm. And kind of that segwayed into me realizing that like the hosting thing that came from stage, fright. Okay. I was so afraid to be, to perform. And I was like, how can you be an artist? How can you even take yourself seriously? If every time you get on stage, you're mortified. So I forced myself to host events to make myself be on stage all night. Um, and so like just finding little ways to like, break apart what my insecurities are, what my strengths were in it, what my weaknesses were in it. Those led into other opportunities. So it was really just about me finding myself and trying to fine tune this one thing. And then surprisingly opening the door into other opportunities. Um, And like even, even me, like for a while I wore wigs and stuff. And then I just cut all my hair off. And then I started to get booked for like media and different things like that. And then I realized even my image and how I transformed my look, um, brought different opportunities because my style represents a certain demographic. I represent a certain image. I get it, you know. And so learning how to play the game and work to your advantage where you're not losing yourself, but you're gaining opportunities. Yeah.
1: Okay. So like each opportunity kind of like opened the door to the next one. And you just like started to develop and grow from there.
2: And it was like, yeah. And as much as I wanted to be taken seriously as an artist, I'm still in the room. So, as long as I'm in the room, I can always present those other things to the table when they're ready. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of ran with it. Whereas, like, a lot of times I've realized a lot of artists, not even just artists, but creatives, we get so rooted in wanting to show up as this one thing that we block other things because it's not, it, we don't feel like it directly correlates when in actuality, it still keeps you in the room. Mm.
0: Like, they, they only want to be seen as one thing or in a certain light.
2: Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's like, no I didn't look to be a host but that hosting those hosting opportunities paid a lot of bills they helped me pay for photo shoots they helped me pay for sessions so I'm like directly no I wasn't trying to be a host but when I got paid a nice amount of money to host that event I was able to pour back into my artistry and my music so it's like you gotta think smarter as far as like well I don't want to do that I'm not that you may not be that but that might be a blessing to the other thing you're trying to do. Or you might meet people in that room that can help that other thing or push your brand because they like that aspect of you. They may not connect with the other part, but do you cut off your nose to, like my grandmother would say, cut off your nose to spite your face? Or do you just go, you know what? I'm gonna go in that direction. Let me see where it leads me. If I feel like it's diverting me too far away, I can pull back because I have control. This is my brand. Mm -hmm. But at the same token, me not wanting to do that thing could be blocking ultimately what I'm trying to do on this side anyway.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: it, it sounds to me like, one, you're very analytical. Yeah. And you're very good. Probably at too analytical. <laughs> being able to objectively, you know, look at yourself and kind of dissect what you feel you need to work on. You know, what maybe, like you you said, you were very uh, had a lot of stage fright. Mm-hmm. You know, so you purposely put yourself in the situation to be in front of people. And, you know, I think that's probably the, really the only way to get over stage fright is to force yourself to do that, and uh, you put yourself there. And you know, like you said, maybe that was an obstacle that was going to keep you from getting to where you wanted to go, in in this or in that. And uh, yeah, a lot of people don't see it that way.
2: That's a fact. Mm-hmm. And and also even with that, like I went on to um uh last year when I I feel like it's probably my last major accomplishment for me is I got to headline twenty twenty two um a music festival in Boston. And my breath control, as far as being on stage, being able to work the room, I in, in had a flashback of a time where like, I wouldn't even have been able to move. I wouldn't even have been able to breathe or deliver the song because my nerves would have been so bad and so shot that I wouldn't even been able to deliver. And see what happens is consequently it ends up, messing up your talent as well because now Mm -hmm. if i'm a really dope rapper or singer but i can't breathe through my lines you don't even know that and Mm -hmm. now your image of me is a mess and anxious written mess on stage and then it's like well this doesn't connect with the music that i heard and so like essentially you end up kind of sabotaging yourself if you don't force yourself to get over those little humps
1: yeah and, and there's always somebody in the audience who's um hearing you for the first time so, like, you giving it your all and, like, putting everything forward is, like, is really important, I think. Um, I want to go back to you talking about letting go of ego um, when it comes to all of these different skill sets. Was that something that you needed to develop? Do you have, like, an experience that you can remember where you, like, learned from that, a mentor or something?
2: Well, I would I'm gonna say, like, a lot of different experiences have influenced me. Um... I've gotten to be in the room with a lot of pros um, and a lot of different professionals uh, who have different ways that they approach their career. And it's kind of like that in a combination of just making mistakes and like messing up and just learning to me, like, that wasn't cool. Like I've had a professional partnership years ago and I was not happy with some things, but at that time I didn't have communication skills. be able to really sit this person down and talk to them and so the way i reacted it ended up sabotaging me and a lot of relationships i had with people in the industry and i might have actually been in the right but because i didn't communicate it effectively Mm -hmm. it still ended up burning bridges for me even though the other person i could have felt like the other person was in the wrong it didn't matter because I, i didn't know how to communicate that effectively so like the combination of those things it humbles you like naturally um but it's also like kind of finding a balance too, because when you come from low self-esteem and you have to like, like I said, I was overweight. I was a black female in a blonde, thin world where like I was a speck on the world and I didn't really matter unless I was writing something or singing background. I had to build a confidence too. Like I had to build a bravado and an ego mm-hmm. because I had to walk into rooms where I was almost expected or expecting to be um, rejected and really believe in myself. So I had to go from like not feeling great about myself to feeling super great about myself and then coming back and finding that middle ground. Um, And then also like being an indie artist, a lot of people that I assumed would show up for me didn't. Mm -hmm. And so I had to wear all of those hats. I had to be my own makeup artist, my own videographer, my own this, my own, you know what I mean? And when you understand how much work all of those roles take, you have such a more profound respect For the Mm -hmm. people who actually dedicate themselves to that fully all the time and so that's why i have no problem showing up even for other people in that way because i know collectively it takes a lot yeah
0: Mm. i know marcus and i we've touched on that a few times just you know how much respect we have for the whole production process you know especially when you're putting a big thing together and you know how many people it actually takes you know doing their best work in all the different areas to make this one thing and uh, how much you have to actually rely on other people when you're trying to create things.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't, how much work it takes when you don't? Because there are some people who do Mm -hmm. everything themselves. And it's also like that where ego comes in again, because to certain people, like even for me, sometimes I'll be honest, I probably have came off a bit more arrogant, not because I thought that I was better or, or, or someone was inferior to me, but it's like after a while, when you deal with people who waste your time, Or play games with you, you start to build up a defense and like a wall too to people. Where like even when people are willing to help you, you may be resistant to it Mm. because you've been burnt so many times. You've had a bad experience, yeah. Mm. Or you know, a lot of times people won't put their all into something if they're not directly invested invested in it. Mm. And that like to me, that's like one of my anxieties. Is like now i went from trusting people too much to now being like i don't know because i don't know like you're gonna mess my thing up and then i'm gonna end up having to come behind you and fix it anyway Mm -hmm. which feels like extra work to me so like maybe i should just do it myself (laughs)
0: yeah yeah i think like you said i think there's a balance there too you know because doing everything yourself all the time can burn you out Mm -hmm. also it's a lot of weight on you
2: you stress and then yep. you still have real life mm-hmm. that you you know bills rent, whatever that you mm-hmm. got to deal with outside of these things so. yep
1: well let's talk a little bit about your um your individual projects you've got uh some singles out you've got like a few mixtapes yeah what's your uh writing process like
2: random <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. my writing process is very random um i am very much like a musical chameleon i literally have about three or four people in the world who call me their writing partners And they don't have writing partners, um, because I kind of can make sense in any kind of room that I'm in. Um, I mean, part of it is being empathic and, and having the ability to feel things out. So like if you're a person who feels like like I need to just go, I'll just let you go and I'll wait patiently. And then when I see you lay out the whole thing, I'll I'll go, well, you know, I've been sitting with this little idea, you mind? And people are usually receptive to it because I've allowed them to do that process. Or you might be a person who's hesitant and I go in and I just start playing with some melodies and you're like, I got it now. And I'm like, all right. And I get out the way and I let you do your thing. So like, mm-hmm. I know how to kind of get in where I fit in um, with anybody in any scenario. So like B for me, writing is just, it's usually conceptualized because I'm a bit of a nerd. I'm a music nerd. I just know how to dress. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a music geek as far as like, I love every component of it, um, conceptualizing it, like really having something to say. I'm, I guess that's what makes me old school at this point is like, I have to have something to say or I won't say anything. Sure. Um, and so, like, uh, so recently I've been working on a project. This is me singing it out loud All right. okay. for Let's people. So now I have to follow through. <laughs> um, I'm working on a project currently called Limerence. Limerence? Yes. Okay. Do you guys know what that means? I don't. Okay, so limerence is like a maturer adaptation of infatuation. So it's not as shallow. Mm. It's not just surface level, but it is like, it's a strong feeling in a shorter amount of time for someone romantically without the history. But okay. it isn't as shallow and flimsy as infatuation because it doesn't just go away as soon as you find out bad things or the or the faulty things it's, about it's the person. Yeah, it's th- it's it's not love, but it's not infatuation. It's somewhere like weirdly in the middle. And there's like you can look it up. It's different opinions on it and processes of it. You know, some of it is anxious attachment, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> um, but like I experienced it. And I was I was embarrassed by the experience, not because I don't think we have those feelings, but because I'm of a certain age, and I kind of felt like those things were more like immature, kind of beneath me ego again. You see mm-hmm. how it's, you see how ego hey, shows up in everything. <laughs> it comes back to it. Um, it's like how like <laughs> I'm too grown for this. Like what? Like over oh, a boy. Like what? Um. But in long story short, I decided to make that a project, and so I'm now creating songs that. Um, express each like I'm kind of doing it like a 12 step program for for love and infatuate like that feeling of infatuation so like being super excited and then unrequited love where maybe it's not mutual and like those feelings and then coming into the reality of like what that means for you and like what you're willing to settle for and accept so like even that just conceptualizing a whole project around something like limerence is like the nerd in me okay showing his face <laughs> okay
1: cool and uh, like, where is that project in like production
2: so it was about seven or eight songs i keep going back and forth because there is another project that i've been working on um with a friend of mine uh called audio medicine but so like i'm trying to figure out which songs could like go on that versus that because some of them are like interchangeable especially when it comes to like self-reflection those mm-hmm. kind of songs can kind of go on either or project um but it's almost done i only want it to be like seven or eight songs like i understand society has a very short tension span so i'm not i don't want to make it long and lengthy and the, the concept is already kind of deep so i want the songs to be light-hearted and like they're not the concept is deep but the songs aren't you know what i mean like they're regular songs just like do you like me because i like you like you know what i mean obviously a bit more mature in in lyrical content but like i still want it to be relatable i want a 17 year old should be able to hear the song and connect to it on some points you know that's very important to me
1: and um i understand you have a piece of audio uh with you to share for us
2: yes so this song i promoted it and then i like took it down and then i put it back up because um i was told to (laughs) but this song is called halfway um and it's basically about the last serious relationship i was in where uh i constantly felt like i was overcompensating for me and another person um and i don't think it's that they couldn't i think they just didn't want to um and so it's called halfway okay Let's yeah. Yeah, hear We don't, we don't even make love. Takes so much to make. awesome thank you thank you thank you yeah, that sounds great yes yeah, called halfway
0: where can uh where can people go to hear more of it
2: um so i have currently i have four singles on apple music and spotify my story outside of the box halfway and same page um and then my mixtapes are all on soundcloud i also am a rapper right. which is another thing that i do um and so I dropped a mixtape two years ago. Is it two years? Yeah, two years. Wow, two years old. Um, called Me Versus Me. Um, that ironically in the last month has went up like thousands of plays. I don't know if somebody shared it somewhere or something on somebody's playlist. Um, but it's been doing some numbers in the last literally like since the end of august for like a mixtape that's been out for two years but it's called me versus me rest in peace the engineer that i worked with he passed away in those fires that happened in the hollywood studios um yeah professionalism he had finished completed the whole mixtape before that happened and my mixtape came out a week later rest in peace to avery um but yeah and so i wrapped two on the side um and that's up there i also have a couple other mixtapes i dropped that are a little bit older i am gearing to release a single soon though called bounce back so i'm excited about that and i have two versions of it and i think i'm going to drop both of them just because why not um but what i was told is that the version that i want to drop is called is a free jazz free jazz okay which i didn't i didn't even realize that was under that genre which lets you know that i'm literally just do whatever i want to do um so yeah, Bounce Back is coming out. And then I have a hip hop record called Evolution that I want to drop too. So I'm hoping, you know, I want to say before Thanksgiving, because I want to give myself time, those will both be out or gearing to drop by then. So okay. excited. Ooh, so, yeah. So a lot of new music coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been hoarding because I, I, you know, I used to suffer for FOMO. Shout out to all the artists that suffer FOMO. You are not alone and you have time. Mm-hmm. Don't rush. Work smarter, not harder stop forcing stuff to go out. i want this to be a sound bite stop forcing stuff to go out don't allow your fomo to control your career and you haphazardly release music without being prepared um don't do it take it from me
1: okay well um you talked about all these different like genres that you're into and it sounds like you pull inspiration from a lot of things but who's like regularly on your on your playlist to like listen to who are some artists that you're like inspired by the most
2: um, I'll be honest. Ninety percent of the artists that I love are from LA. Okay. Um, I like Ty dollar Sign. I like Sir. Um, I love Giveon. I like Snow Allegra. Um, who else? Who else? Jesse Reyes. Um, Black. Um, I kind of listen to a mixture of 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 anything that like pulls me. If I feel like you believe it, then I believe it. I'm that kind of person um and i listen to a lot of new indie artists too as well shout out to y'all it's a couple of y'all on instagram i cannot remember the names off the top of my head but i'm definitely following you yes that's phoenix so if you see me following you that's me but yeah like those top people um and i've been bumping into them too i bumped into bj the chicago kid the other a couple months ago so yeah like i actually been bumping into the artists that i already like so that's been dope living in la it's a Mm -hmm. highlight
0: you, you said you like a lot of the artists out here. Is that part of the reason? Was that part of the reason you jumped? No, from I new literally
2: York? just came for the weather. Yeah, like okay. believe it or not, that's people, a good reason. To people same. would say, "Oh, you yeah. came same. for your career," and it's like, to be honest with you, as popping as like the segue of where I was going in New York, I actually most pop- people would have said I was foolish for leaving because I was literally like on the brink of doing some stuff. But I also was like, I don't want to just be a New York artist. I want to be an artist across the board. So mm-hmm. I have to go somewhere new, and if I have to start from scratch here we are. Well,
0: on, on that note, uh, you know, being an artist across the board, you're doing so many different things. You know, as we said, you are an entertainer, mm-hmm. you know, which kind of encompasses it all. Uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit as you're coming in. Where do you see, I guess, yourself as an artist or as a brand? And uh, how would you differentiate the two?
2: So an artist is to me solely someone who is dedicating their time to creating and entertaining as far as a display of the music that they make that is it you you don't care if you're signed to a label you don't care if you work underneath somebody you may not even care if you write the songs yourself you literally just want to be a catalyst to entertain people and to be the voice of good music, whether that's your voice or someone else's voice, because a great entertainer, also the separation from that and the artist is the artist may write all of their music and entertainer may only be able to interpret someone else's, but they're both equally good at what they do. Mm-hmm. So, um, but as far as a brand, when I realized that I was a brand, it was because I I started to be invited into rooms where people weren't requiring me to be an artist. They weren't requiring me to perform or sing. They just wanted to hear my thoughts or they wanted me to show up and just socialize with the people around me because I was in a room full of people who were like-minded and creative and wanted to build a network. And so that's when I understood that like how I carry myself in and outside of being an artist matters because somebody is always watching me. Mm -hmm. Um, it could be for instance uh since i got to la a lot of people have been telling me to do comedy i literally just have conversations with people and i'm so serious and they're laughing the entire time and so like you know just coming into realization even of those things of like that could actually potentially be an avenue for me whether i was planning on it being that or not is your brand awareness Mm -hmm. and that shows up in so many different ways um or just even being outside the box like we are segregating a time now where like individuality and inclusion matter so much that like being outside the box is actually more popular than staying within it. And so just even like knowing how to seize those opportunities when they matter are important too. Yeah.
0: Where do you, where do you think that comedic side of you comes from? Struggle. Struggle. Yeah.
2: (laughs) To be honest. Um, I think when you deal with so much adversity, um, you can either allow it to consume you or you can find a way to laugh at it and laugh through it until you get to the other side.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have an experience, I guess, um, working in, like, the, the comedy industry. Like, I didn't think that I would at all. But one of my co-workers who is, like, um, uh, a comedy DJ for this show called The Roast Battle, he had me come on and sort of help with, like, the field recording and, like, learning, like, a soundboard and, like... Um, I had always, like, imagined myself, like, being, like, a music producer, um, but when I found out, like, okay, like, if I get my hands on this stuff, then I can figure out, like, a lot of other things, too, like, that's what allowed me to, like, figure out, like, this podcasting thing is, like, having, like, that job, so I can relate to, like, not really expecting to to, to go down, like, a certain avenue, but, like, just, like, um, being prepared and, you know, giving it a try, like, really helps you, like, grow, like, as an individual, I think. Yeah, and yeah.
2: surprisingly sometimes get a bag that you wasn't expecting to get. Yeah, because yeah. Because now you have an added skill and somebody randomly hits you up one day panicking, like, oh, I need a some guy, I'm doing these skits. And you're like, actually... I did that. I actually mm-hmm. know how to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean. And now you're getting a bag for something that can actually go back into the things that you love. And that's why I said it's 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 very important to be aware of and seizing opportunities unorthodox that mm-hmm. don't necessarily align with exactly what you think it's supposed to be because there may be a hidden blessing in an opportunity. Yeah,
1: it's still something in your toolkit. You mm-hmm. Uh, let's get into a little bit, your series on social media, mm-hmm. on Instagram. Tell us what inspired that.
2: Word on the streets came from my dislike for TikTok. Okay. okay. Um, I Like I told you, I can be very vegan about my beliefs sometimes, like very stupid strict, no dairy, no meat, no nothing. Um, And I just like, I, I see the power in it, but I, it also made me afraid, kind of like the AI conversation of like, this can be really good or this can be really bad. Um, And so just a sensationalizing of like songs and people not really listening to them and getting these quick snippets and not really investing in artists. As a as a purist, you know, I took it personal. And instead of trying to use it for what I could use it for, I was just anti TikTok for mm. many years. Um, And so I wanted to make peace with that because I'm like, as long as you continue to make music and put yourself out there, somebody's gonna end up posting you on TikTok or something's gonna happen where you're gonna need TikTok. And so Word on the Street was my, is like, you know, a lot of things I do are based off of experiments. It was just like my my olive branch to TikTok was me creating Word on the Streets where like, I wasn't necessarily pushing my music and pushing my brand like every other artist was. I wanted to make genuine connections with people um, and talk about self-reflection and kind of self-talks that I have with myself out loud to other people in hopes that it might help them.
0: I think that's great, though, sharing those experiences. You know, it's very motivational.
2: Yeah. But I didn't want it to be preachy because it doesn't. Like, it doesn't I'm still a work in either. progress. So, like, I always want to make it very clear and transparent that, like, as I'm talking to you, I'm actively working through these things myself.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, so you've got a, um, a recent project on YouTube that you're working on. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, well, it's actually like a work in progress, ongoing thing. Um, but when I decided to become an artist, as we touched on earlier, um, I decided to document the A&R process um, and a lot of the transitions of like, people kind of assuming that because I was already in the music industry, that I would just automatically be able to kind of slide into the artistry. When I dealt with a lot of resistance, um, segueing from one to the other, because like when people are used to seeing you one way, it becomes very uncomfortable when you change that position mm. for them or how they can utilize you or use you. Um, and so it's called bamboo, which was the original project I wanted to put out that never came out. That's a whole another conversation. Um, and but bamboo, the symbolism of it is that like sometimes things take a really long time to grow. And then when they finally get where they're supposed to be, then the the success of it is immeasurable. And so a bamboo takes four years before it even sprouts. So if you lose patience, if you lose time, if you don't put the energy and effort into it, then you would assume that it's not going to grow. And then four years later, it could be 100 feet in two weeks. Hmm. Um. And so, yeah, I have three episodes up there. Um. My produ- the production team I was working with at the time, he got like overwhelmed with a bunch of other projects and so i'm now trying to um find someone else a production company to take it over because it was supposed to be seven episodes it's only three um but i definitely still i'm going to tell my story when i get the opportunity to but if you want to know about the realistic ideologies of working in the music industry for real for real definitely check it out on uh, my youtube channel okay awesome
0: I i like the analogy of the bamboo yeah. because it's it's so true like everyone kind of wants everything now you know right away and patience is a virtue i think for a reason and yeah to be able to plant that seed and just be patient and and watch it grow is, and it's not easy
2: you know, i was very resistant easy. to it. Yeah. it like i'll be honest but you know what's for you is for you and you can't really rush a good thing mm-hmm.
1: all right so we got the docu series coming out and we've got some uh new music coming out in the next few months yeah that's amazing um where can everybody find your things and your social handles
2: yes so i'm on instagram is the only place where i have a different handle because i was hacked when i first moved to la um it's yes that's phoenix i spell the phoenix with two x's p-h-o-e-n-i-x-x don't forget the second x it's (laughs) out of respect um and then everything else i'm phoenix rocks or Phirocks, P-H-I-R-O-C-K-S. The word on the streets is on my TikTok, which is Phirocks. Um, come check that out if you need to be inspired, or uplifted, or encouraged. Because that's what I'm about. That's that's basically what my brain is about. Is me constantly proving to myself and to you that you can achieve anything you want to if you believe in yourself enough. Amazing, Phoenix. Thank you so much for being thank on the podcast with us. Yes, I appreciate you much. guys so much. And shout out to LA because I'm a bi-coastal girl. All right. <laughs> Thank you.